Wild Missions original podcast. In the Godavari River, in the eastern Ghats of India, fishermen and their families rely on their mangrove forest for their entire lives. It provides them with food, income, and protects them from cyclones. The mangroves are everything. But it's not only fishermen that go fishing. These mangrove forests are also one of the key habitats for the fishing cat, who often snatch fish right out of fishermen's nets. These cats are seen as a nuisance because they directly impact these families' livelihoods. So when people have been living this way for generations, how do you change their perception of fishing cats to be positive? The answer here is with the younger generation, the children, simply teaching kids to love, to care, and to advocate for the fishing cat, sparked a positive change in these communities that transcended generations. I'm Andy Barvel, and this is Cats of the Wild, episode four, The Children of the Fishing Cat. The fishing cat is a medium-sized species of wild cat that lives in the wetlands of South and Southeastern Asia. It has coarse, grey-brown fur with small black spots and stripes. It has small, rounded ears with a short, thick, muscular tail. Although the fishing cat has partially webbed feet on its hind legs, they don't have any other special morphological adaptations for catching or eating fish. Whilst fish and other aquatic animals are the main prey for the fishing cat, they've also been known to eat small birds, snakes and rodents. The main threat to the fishing cat is habitat loss and fragmentation. Wetlands, mangrove forests and marshes are increasingly impacted by agriculture, urbanisation and aquaculture. Other threats include poaching, polluted waterways and the depletion of fish stocks from overfishing. Uh, my name is Giridhar Malla and I'm a PhD student from Wildlife Institute of India. Giridhar runs the Godavari Fishing Cat Project, one of the many projects as part of the newly named Fishing Cat Conservation Alliance. I belong to this uh, state of Andhra Pradesh and we have the major east-flowing rivers to the Bay of Bengal. And we also have major tracts of mangrove forest compared to many of the other states in India. And then we know that fishing cats exist here, but nothing has been known about the cat. And no one has seen it in the wild and not since these many years of wildlife research in India, which is happening. And still no one knows about the cat and no one has filmed the cat here. India is one of the key countries for the fishing cat. The Godavari River is 1,485 kilometres long and is the second largest river in India after the Ganges. The river ends on the east coast in a large delta which comprises part of the Godavari Krishna mangrove ecoregion. In 1999, the Odisha supercyclone struck the eastern coast of India 
and a study published by Sadami Nidas and Jeffrey R. Vincent found that mangroves were associated with statistically significant reductions in human deaths. I was a little excited and I thought I should take a lead in exploring these areas and bringing out what is actually fishing cat and what are the threats and why the population is declining locally. So I took the opportunity and I joined the project and then we started like investigating with my supervisor K. Shivakumar. It was like entirely mango patch and people were like saying that there's a cat. They know that there's a cat there, but it's highly elusive and no one has ever seen it except like few people. But they never gave us a positive response that, oh, it's very, it's not that easy to see the cat and all. So then we took the boards and we hired a local fisherman there and then we uh, went on boards and we were highly unsuccessful to get the first glimpse of cat. Most stories of wildcat research start this way. Scientists head out to an area where they've heard stories of a cat, but at first they don't find it. It's only after building relationships with the local people and learning from their experience do they ultimately find the cat. I was having a little hesitation. Is it that rare to see the cat or is the population already gone or something? So then I started intensifying and before looking at the cat, I thought I should know the perspectives of people. So then I started the interview service. People told me certain aspects where to look at the cat because mangroves have this tidal cycles like high tide and low tide. So upon their experience, they told me that if you go at the low tide time, that is the time where the fishing cats are more active because the water recedes and that is the most convenient time for them to sit on the banks and just grab a fish or any other prey. And I started looking in the low tide time and we went on the boat. And then that's the first experience where I saw the cat. It was just sitting on the intertidal mud flat and it just waiting for the fish. And I should say it is one of the most patient loving cat, even not the tigers. Tigers don't have that much patience. But I sat with a single fishing cat waiting for eight hours to catch a single fish. With his very own eyes, Giritha saw his first ever fishing cat in the wild. He then started an intensive camera trapping survey deploying cameras throughout 230 square kilometres or 88 square miles of mangrove habitat to determine how many fishing cats were in the area. They identified a total of 120 cats. So after this population estimation, I started looking at what are the threats. So in the delta, the majority of the people are fishermen who go for fishing in the mangrove patch. When I understood that there's a conflict of fishing communities and the fishing cat. So these fishermen also tend to keep nets and everything during the low tide times. These fishermen leave their nets in the creeks for up to 10 hours. So it is very easy for the fishing cat to grab a fish right out of the net. It's basically served up on a plate for them. They want to catch the mullet and the fishing cat also prefers mullets. So that is where the conflict happens. So most of the fishing cats also tend to move at that particular low tide time and they just try to grab the fish from the net. Fishing cats play an important role in these mangrove ecosystems. Giritha had to understand the value and benefits of fishing cats so he could try and communicate this to the local fishermen. Simply put, he had to demonstrate that even though the fishing cats stole their fish, they're important to the fishermen's livelihoods. Fishing cats tend to eat the catfishers because catfishers are the rigorous breeders. They breed in a very fast phase. If there's no control on the catfish because they're carnivore species, the population would gradually increase, which will eventually lead to decline in other estuarine species. When we investigated, we saw that like catfishes tend to eat many of the juvenile fishes. And the cat keeps a check on this population of catfishes because catfishes tend to come to the bank to feed on uh, smaller fish which take refuges in the intertidal creeks. That might be one of the key role what fishing cats might play in that ecosystem. 
because natively otters have been declined in this region so if otters are there they would have kept a check on the cat fisher but since otters have been declined because of expansion of aquaculture ponds and also they prefer rodents rodents is another serious threat to uh, the surrounding aquaculture and the irrigation fields here close by so most of the rodents come to this mangroves and we also found rodents in the scars of fishing gear so these two aspects are maybe a key role for them to play in the mangroves whilst kirirha had some impact on the local fishermen they had a fixed mindset and were resistant to change when he was doing his research he noticed many children were coming up to him and were interested in the cat and what he was doing these kids didn't go to school they spent most of their lives on the boat following the lifestyle their parents and their grandparents followed there are many people in the mangroves where they just stay their entire life in the mangroves they don't come to the mainland their entire lives will be on the boats so they just cook there and they just take bath everything day to day life entirely depends on inside the mangroves they don't come onto the land only for drinking water they come to the land otherwise they don't come here so they raise the kids in uh, entirely on the boats then we looked at these kids and we went and we gave awareness to the people who are taking the children on to these boats and then we tried to bring them back to the schools so that is one of our biggest achievement and we brought few of our kids here so at least the pressure has decreased and now the parents also started like looking that why education is highly important for local school children this is where the children for fishing cats initiative began the idea behind it was that if you could educate and inspire the younger generation that would not only secure future custodians of the fishing cat but could perhaps change the mindset of their parents we go to every schools nearby and then we play the videos of fishing cats which i do for my behavior study and i show them that see this is your cat it stays in your neighborhood and this is how it catches the fish so we can see like so much of cheering up within the school kids oh i haven't seen a cat and this is my cat and they they even keep names for the cat when the program is running up other initiative what we do is that in the camera trap images we take all the camera trap images and we show them to the kids and we make them to identify individual cats and that is one thing which they really like so we show them the pictures of all the fishing cats and we'll try to identify the cat and we'll ask them to name the cat so all the cat names will be given by those kids so that way they get that kind of ownership so we give the picture to them and they, we ask them to keep in your houses like some souvenir so and to name them and to inform your parents that this is my cat so it stays in the forest and this is my cat so in that way that like they have that ownership and they say that whenever you go to the fishing see my cat it will be there and don't kill it giridha could relate to these children he too had a childhood fascination with wild cats that eventually turned into a career as a conservation biologist i was entirely fascinated with cats the way they look and all so even now before my studies i started working on leopards tigers and then i looked into the small cats so all that fascination still exists in me cats are very unique and they have special place in my heart all the time so i take that initiative to the local people at least in my hometown and in my native area so i think that is the biggest achievement that can ever exist for me <laughs> Yeah, it's not like taking a PhD and moving away from this place. It's like I want to be in this place and make sure that at least the people who stay with the cats will know more than me uh, and they protect the cats more than me. 
He wasn't just skilled in conservation and biology, he also had creative or artistic skills that allowed him to produce children's books, animations, and board games to create a more engaging learning experience for the children. So since childhood, I have this, you know, I don't know whether I got this artistic skills. So I thought every time I'll be visual rather than writing up what is there in my mind. So that kind of skill has grown up along with me and I started like illustrating whatever I Even most of my PhD, I uh, illustrate rather than writing something. So that way I can have a better picture of what really is understandable. <laughs> I also thought that like because of my uh, visual communications and all, I thought that would be much more easier to communicate with the children rather than like, you know, showing them this is the cat and this is the cat. So otherwise, this kind of skill has really helped me dealing with kids. He made a children's book called Moon and the Little Fishing Cat that teaches children about fishing cats, their place in the environment, and how the moon plays a role in nature. It starts with the little fishing cat, who first learns how to fish from her mother. Do you see loads of fish in the creek? The kitten then meets the moon, full in the sky. Hi, little kitten. How are you? My name is Moon. Hi, Moon. The kitten then notices the moon getting thinner and thinner, day by day. The moon then disappears completely, and she begins to ask the other animals if they had seen the moon. She asked the catfish if he had seen the moon. The little fishing cat, despaired, soon notices the moon starting to return to the sky. The kitten then starts to understand the relationship between the moon and how it impacts fish. One night, as she woke up and looked at the sky, there she was. Her friend, the moon, was back after 15 days. So this has all happened during my PhD uh, when I'm just looking at the ecology of the cat. So I was really puzzled with what time the cat comes to the creek and what time it goes for sleep and everything. So then I just looked at the lunar phases, the moon. Moon is the real thing for the mangroves, if you know that. Everything is governed by the moon. So then I thought I should link up the moon and the fishing cat. How would I look into the fishing cat perspective? So what would the fishing cat think about the moon? So for us itself, it's very puzzling that it comes at certain time and it fades away and fishes will come. And during the high tide and the new moon and full moon, in the mangroves, we see a lot of fishes come up. I mean, the fishes tend to come more from the nearby sea. And during the other times, the fishes will decrease. I mean, because the water, the flushing times in the tidal cycles will decrease. So that is the governing thing for most of the migrations of fishes in Zetanam. So I thought like, what would the fishing cat think when these kind of changes happen to, at least not for the adults, but for the smaller fishing cat. So then I picked up the idea. And also when I was training the local kids, a few of the kids were puzzled. Like, why do we, like, sometimes we don't see the moon and sometimes why do we see the moon? So it's also very puzzling to them. And one of the questions was raised by a kid in the school. So then I thought, like, okay, there's something which I have to look into. If you have to train the kids so that I want to keep it as a little fishing cat, even the cat which stays in the jungle has that perspective of moon. So then I thought it would be easy for kids to convince that why the moon fades off and comes back. So then I just developed that idea storyboard and story and then i thought i should make up a story with it <laughs> he also made a board game for kids called cat in the creek so the board game is also something a simpler form of explaining to the kids how does the cat move in the mangroves and what fish it feeds and what is the importance of mangroves to the fishing cat 
when the kids die the number itself gives them to go to a particular place and then at every particular place they will have a fish so that they get some points so that it's a kind of an understanding about how the cat moves in the creek and what fish it hunts and uh, what kind of weight of the fish is there and uh, it gives them a clear picture of what does the cat behaves in the mangroves these projects were incredibly successful not only for the children but changing the entire village's attitude towards a fishing cat the people who worked there they told me that okay after this initiative we we looked at fishing cats in a different perspective it's like our own cats now not like something which is in the forest yeah they have a different attitude anyways it's a slow process but we tried that we already got a uh, we are positive in that approach and i think it will change at least for few other people Giridhar's PhD isn't actually on educating children on the fishing cat or anything like that. It's on the bioacoustic communication of the fishing cat. It's about understanding and deciphering the language between fishing cats. I started also looking at acoustic communications in fishing cats and before I started like people used to tell me that cats are actually silent. They don't tend to communicate that often. But this is something entirely a different scenario what I got with my PhD that I I looked at acoustic communications and fishing cats are highly vocal so they communicate with each other in the mangroves and and I got the first ever acoustic communications of fishing cats in the wild they do tend to communicate with each other so generally uh, the cats have a chuckling call that is very peculiar for fishing cat unlike any other small cat you can really hear them you can listen to them and they communicate from one cat to other cat in the mangrove creeks so that is very surprising and i haven't heard that cats would communicate in that way so when i looked at the spectrogram when you look at the individual chuckling call so if you look at the inter- uh, distance between the individual chuckles you can try to identify individuals and more than individuals you can either tell it's a male or a female at least till that point i was successful to look at that whether it's a male or a female because males will tend to have a higher pitch and so when we look at the energy bands we can tell it's a male or female the ability to identify an individual fishing cat from just its call is super cool and opens up so many opportunities to monitor fishing cat populations with acoustic monitoring rather than time consuming camera trapping surveys which is hard work in a mangrove forest a few other projects around the world have started looking at acoustic monitoring such as automatic identification of tigers near a human settlement or even alerting rangers when poachers may be in an area with threatened species camera trapping is not very easy in most of the mangrove patches in the forest so i think acoustic communications would if it really goes well i think that we can monitor the cats more than what we previously thought at least for small cats the small cats are highly difficult to uh, get them camera trapped so only the small cat people would know that how difficult it's to get a camera trap image of a single cat So uh, I think this acoustic communications in a long run if you work more I think that way I think it will be a very uh, novel approach to uh, look at their populations. My name is Giridhar Malla and I'm a founder of Godavari Fishing Cat program and I work with fishing cats and I love fishing cats and I uh, developed the Children for Fishing Cat initiative. Fishing cat needs your help. Fishing cat is one of the most highly threatened small cat species in the world. and because of most of the human induced coastal developments and all fishing cats are fastly getting declined in the wild 
and if you want to learn more about our program just visit small wildcat conservation foundation thank you so much to giriha malar for talking to me about your work you can also find out more info at the fishing cat conservation alliance at fishingcat.org and if you want to purchase his book moon and the little fishing cat search for it on amazon or follow the links from my website On the show notes page at catsofthewild.com, you can find links to all these websites and some photos of the fishing cat in the Godavari River taken by Gidatar Malal. Cats of the Wild is created by me, Andy Varble. Theme music is by Score Squad. Other music and sound effects from Invado. Please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing or following in your podcast app so you can be notified when I release a new episode. Thank you to those who have already left wonderful reviews. Cats of the Wild is now on Instagram. You can follow me at Cats of the Wild Podcast. <laughs>